Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. We're presently on number 172 in our Identity Matters series. We are in a sub-series called Betrayal, The Kiss of Judas. So in this series that we have been discussing what it really means to be the person that comes from a gossiper, And it is the action that comes from chaos, and it's the action that comes from a gossiper, and that person is what the Bible calls a betrayer. If you're brand new to our series, we really want to encourage you to go back to the earlier episodes of our podcast. Start with betrayal number one and move your way forward. Each of these messages are progressing into the next. So it is very important that you get the full message of the betrayal, the kiss of Judas. Please feel free to open up that PDF, print it off, or look at it as we are going through this message. I always like to give my bottom line theological statement about what our podcast is about. And it is, my primary objective is to equip individuals through the believer's identity in Christ. All based on the message of identification with Christ in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and certainly in his ascension. What that really means is that you actually died with Christ. There are hundreds of thousands of people that have heard those verses preached to them. Probably many of them have memorized them, but they've never really been able to embrace the reality of what it really means to have a U-turn in your life. And to make that U-turn, you actually have to be able to embrace the reality of your death. It is not a concept. It's not a principle. It's a reality. You died when Christ died. 602-292-2982 is your death with Christ. Your burial with Christ your resurrection with Christ, your ascension with Christ, which makes you seated at the right hand of the Most High, right now. Colossians chapter 3. 
If you have been indwelled by the life of Christ, your life died. It was put into the burial process. You were resurrected. You were ascended spiritually in heaven already. When Paul said, I will be with you in spirit, that is how he was able to say that. When I text someone or call someone and say, I will be with you in spirit, that's how that makes that a reality. But see, most don't believe that. So the only thing you're going to believe is you have to memorize the scriptures. You have to read in order to feel better. You have to have devotions every day or you just don't feel right. None of those things have anything to do with your identity in Christ. None of them. This does. It's our foundation. So my passion is to deliver this message to a worldwide audience by making use of the internet, live presentations like tonight, writing, podcasting, and absolutely anything else I can use. If I can find something like an image and I can tag that with 50 trending words, I'm going to do it. I will do absolutely anything the Lord gives me a blessing to understand and and to figure it out on how we can populate this message. The more numbers, the better for me. Why? Because the greater percentage for God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to receive their 10% they deserve as the triune God. 602-292-2982. 602-292-2982. So I'm going to collect as many ants in my jar as possible. Even though many of them are going to bite me. That is the perspective. Great numbers is a great thing. All you pastors, preachers, and teachers that are after numbers, bless your hearts. Because you know what I'm talking about. Not all receive what you say. Let's talk about our review for last week. Last week we talked about vengeance is in the hands of the betrayer. That's their first violation. Coming out of the chute of chaos. So just imagine, you know, like cows coming out of a chute. That fast, quick action of coming out of the chute. The pen that they were held in was this gossip. And gossipers are miserable. They may smile on the outside. They may act like they're in control. They may think in their own depraved mind that everything's good because they're the ones with the real story. But I'll tell you what, when they shoot out of that world of gossip, betrayal kicks in immediately and they take vengeance. Every form of vengeance that they take is different according to the person. They also demand loyalty to self. They don't demand loyalty to Christ. They don't demand loyalty to discipleship. 
They don't demand loyalty to to being filled with the word. They don't demand loyalty to those things. They only demand loyalty to their self-rated opinions. And if you do not agree with their opinions, you become the victim. You become their enemy. And they pull their guns out and start shooting. So everyone's style of vengeance is different. And every indwelt believer listening, and every Christ follower that's listening, and every non-Christian that is listening, please listen very carefully. You need to find out what your traditional style of fleshly revenge is. The most common on the list, which we will bring out next week, the most common on the list is silence. Silence is the most effective form of punishment that exists for humans. Jesus himself even knew that. Silence is a confession that I have something to say to you, but I'm going to lie. In fact, I'm going to lie in such a way that you're not even going to know I'm lying. Well, that works with most people who don't understand betrayal and who do not disciple people for a living. But I will tell you, it is the very first thing I hunt for is punishment through Silence. I would rather have someone yell back at me than punish through silence. People who use silence to control themselves are phonies. I don't care who you are. 602-292-2982. If you use silence, it is the most grievous form of lying that there is. I would rather be put in a position where someone is drawing their sword and you can hear the clanging of the sword, you can hear the clanging of the words, you can hear the hostility, you can see the hostility, you can feel the hatred, you can see the hatred because then you can duck. But people who use silence are dangerous people. And that's our next point. They save their anger for a rainy day. They are very self-controlled in their anger, but they can't hold it too long. It will move them to a very angry shouting match at some point in their revenge. The betrayer cannot hear God. Well, that's kind of common sense, even though I got some feedback on that already. Betrayers can't hear God. I don't care what your style is. There's no way you're ever going to convince me that God said this to me to tell you. This week I I was called a devil's preacher. I came and showed Jane, just for the fun of it, my latest hate mail thing. I was very excited. I actually couldn't wait to get to my computer and start orchestrating a conversation, which I did. And I did hear from him immediately. And in this next email, 
which was very, very extensive, every single line there was demonic hatred. Every single line. But the first one that started out is, I never connected your name to my hate comments. So he was justifying all that. And I could have given him that, maybe. And then he went on into a very long email, slicing and dicing our last lesson. And in each one of those little paragraphs, which they weren't really paragraphs, there was another I hate you. In every form I think that that guy could possibly think of. Now, this kind of betrayer is got to get rid of, they have to vomit, they have to throw up their hatred toward the church. And he concluded at the bottom, anyone who follows the holy gospel is a devil preacher. That was the conclusion. Yeah, you should read the stuff in between. 602-292-2982, send me another one. This is an opportunity to reach someone's depraved mind. So what I have to watch for very carefully is the spirit in this. Or is the spirit not in this? So I was encouraged by my brother not to throw pearls before swine. So I didn't reply to that one. May never reply again. I wasn't led to put him on a blacklist and to turn his domain in. But I may have to someday. See, this takes discernment of the Holy Spirit. Everyone has betrayers. This is not just preachers and teachers of the word. If you are indwelled, you're going to be, as Jesus said, hated on my account. So we need to look at the details of betrayal very carefully. Ultimately, from our last message we left everyone with, they resist the indwelling spirit. Their talk is about spirit externally. They don't know what to do with the indwelling spirit. My email reply to him was four pages. The guy loves doctrine, so I gave him doctrine. Verse, explanation, verse, explanation, verse, explanation. And each of them was leading him to Christ in you. That was the one thing he was unable to attack. He had no clue what to do with that. I'm telling you guys, this is the peace. That the enemy has no clue how to fight little Jack with. Is the indwelling life of Christ. Let's talk about our book of the week. Our book of the week is Blessed Reassurance by... Dr. John Woodward, very dear friend. Consider him to be one of my only trusted theologians. Go to the website, click on Book of the Week. You'll see the little ad there. We don't get a single penny from advertising any of these books. But click on the picture there. It will take you right to John's link. 
and you can order this book. If you have questions about who you are in Christ, if you have questions about if you're saved or not, if you have questions about where you're standing or walking with the Spirit, in the Spirit, after the Spirit, John basically answers those questions for you. So get your hands on it and be blessed. Our scripture for tonight is Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 8. Now, if someone is listening, you can 602 me and let me know what this passage is about before you look it up. Ephesians 6, 1 through 8. Famous passage on children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service or men-pleasers, but as slaves to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. You may be seated. This is one of those passages that is packed with many theological foundational truths. Now keep in mind that the truth is not words, correct? Truth is a, it's a person. So what you're seeing in front of you as you're reading this passage is that you are actually able to see the dynamic role that Jesus functioned and continues to function with as the Son toward his Father. So when he talks about children, obey your parents in the Lord, the key there is in the Lord. This is a life principle from the life of Jesus Christ. He is a child. It can be read like this. I, Jesus, obey my Father. He is my Lord. Lord means owner. It doesn't mean God. Lord is owner. It's owner in the Hebrew, it's owner in the Greek. So he's saying that as the Son of God, I obey my Father because he owns me. You see, whatever it is that you think that you own, you have the tendency to get upset when it's taken from you. You tend to get upset if it gets broken. You tend to get upset if you lose it. Because you are claiming yourself as the owner. Now, children that possibly might be listening to this podcast, even more so you parents, if you do have family worship with your children, you need to listen 
to this very carefully. Children, everything you own, you do not own. There is nothing you have in your possession, not your shoes, not your shirt, not your toys, not your devices, nothing that you have belongs to you by Hebrew law. Now you're going to have to really stay with me on this because I know there's a couple 602s in here, but you need to understand before we get into Hebrew custom to understand this whole issue of a prodigal coming a betrayer, you need to understand the Hebrew code behind this. Nothing that you own, adults, belongs to you. Nothing. Not your car, not your watch, not your wallet, not your money. Nothing you own belongs to you. Everything in your possession, from your shirt to your shoes, to your million dollars in the bank, or that $5.68 in your piggy bank, does not belong to you. You have been given the privilege to care for it. Every dollar that comes in of a child working by Hebrew custom and Hebrew laws goes to the family. Do you understand that? I'm not making this up. Every single dollar goes toward supporting the family. Now when a young man grows up and he gets married and his father hands him the garment to throw over, the family garment, the family colors, when it is thrown over his shoulder, he now becomes a 100% owner of everything that was entrusted to him by his father to bless his wife and his future children with. It still does not belong to him. You see, when a father gives an inheritance to his, his son, that inheritance is his father's inheritance. It's his father's property. And it's supposed to have come from his father, and from his father, and from his father, and from his father. It was the way that God the Father locked in the Holy Scriptures to survive this very day. But since there's been a glitch in our cultural generational society where children have pulled away from their parents, taken ownership of their possessions, start whining, crying, complaining what is theirs and what is not theirs, and it set off this dominoes effect all over the world, please listen very carefully, listeners. Hebrew law, customs, and coding is so much in support of this. It is what God used to keep his scriptures alive. They did not have Bibles. Old Testament parents did not have Old Testament scrolls stuffed under their armpits. 
They were blessed if their eyes could be cast upon the scrolls at any point in their lives, but most were born and died never seeing the Holy Scriptures. 602-292-2982. So how did the Holy Scriptures support and sustain itself all through the Old Testament? Bible stories. But you see, a a man's word back then from the father was absolute. And the children believed what came out of that father's mouth without question. But see, the difference was, so it is said, so it is written, those sons were required to write down everything that came out of that father's mouth during their special services. Every word. So you want to know how the Holy Scriptures survived? The sons would write down what proceeded out of the mouth of the fathers. How long was it, by the way, before humanoids were actually able to carry a Bible under their armpit? 1822. That's almost 2,000 years after Jesus died. How did the scriptures stay alive inside the homes? The exact same method of Hebrew coding. If the father spoke the word, then the son wrote it down. What is one of the last things that Jesus said to us before he departed? What proceeds out of the mouth of man is recorded in the book of life. It has been a method that God has used since Adam and Eve. So the primary technique that the enemy had to use to completely destroy this father-son relationship thing, because that seems to be what is the glue in this passage. Children, child, this is God speaking to his son. Obey your father. I'm your honor. I listen to you people pray and use the Lord Sometimes in every other sentence. Oh, Lord, please. Lord, we thank it. Lord, you have no clue what you're saying. Maybe some do. But most don't. Stop using Lord for one week. Here's your assignment, listeners. As you are praying through the next week, do not use the word Lord. Use owner. Dear owner, thank you, owner, for this day. Thank you, owner, for the blessings you've given today. Thank you, owner, for the food on this table. I'm telling you, it will wake you up. Your father is your owner of your, of your personhood. Your father is your owner of your possessions. Your father is your owner of everything. You have no rights. Jesus has no rights. 
unless the Father gives him those rights. He understands ownership. And he literally, Paul in this case, literally moves it into the role of the Heavenly Father. Honor your father and your mother. This is a this is a physical eye-seeing relationship that you can actually look at to learn this powerful principle. If the enemy is able to do a reverse-ism, revisionism on this passage, listen carefully, the gospel will die in this generation. The word of God is being ditched through these translations, removing powerful statements like father and sinner and confession and repentance and damnation and hell and the word Satan. They're being removed. The punch is being removed. And the result of that is we don't have a liberal generation. We have a generation who doesn't even know how to spell the Word of God. And it's not W-O-R-D. It is G-O-D-J-E-S-U-S. God is the Word. And then He gave Jesus a prerogative to become the Word so that he may come and dwell among us. And then the Holy Spirit says, I will bring to remembrance the words of John 8, 28. The words of Jesus. Well, where did Jesus get them? From his Father. Why? Because Jesus knew when he was studying all of the writings from the old, he was studying his Abba. Do you know that Jesus had a direct relationship with the Father in heaven? When he was running off to the mountains on his knees praying, talking to his dad, you know there was actual conversations going on? It wasn't your feeling of talking to the, to the brick wall. Oh God, are you hearing me today or not? There was none of that going on. Then why in the world did he dedicate most of his life studying the Holy Scriptures? If you're not making the connection from dot A to dot B right now, that'd be a great 602. Because that is an obvious connection. So now we have these children, these 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 little ones sitting in the pews here tonight, and any little ones that you're responsible for as a listener. Children, obey your parents. That's the first thing out of the chute. You're the child, I'm the parent. And the first thing I want you to learn is not that you're, you feel loved and connected to and, and bonded with me. That is not the first thing out of this passage. It's obey. The Greek for obey, you cannot separate yourself from who is telling you what to do. So it's kind of like an extension. Of course.
See, there's no hesitation. Just what have I taught you girls as you were growing up about the intersection? He who hesitates dies. And I would say I'd rather err on being impulsive than sitting around waiting for a truck to hit me. Then to let someone slide off the edge of a cliff. Because I did nothing. This is part A. been listening to identity matters podcast we appreciate having you join us today feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org we have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in christ again thank you for joining us